0: Hello and welcome to the Talking Food with Beard Food podcast. I'm Joe Anglis, and for this episode, we'll be talking about our tips for getting ready to relaunch as we make our way out of the restrictions. We'll be going through key consumer insight, ways of growing spend, menu hints and tips, plus cuisines to watch out for over the next few months. With outdoor dining open across the UK now, and the next milestone quickly approaching us on the 17th of May for indoor hospitality reopening in England, there is a lot of excitement and opportunities to consider for what will hopefully be the last time we have to reopen. To talk this through with me, I'm excited to be joined by two of my teammates and regulars of the podcast, Gemma Benford, who is our Head of Customer Marketing, and David King, who is our Senior Customer Marketing Manager. Hi Gemma.
1: Hi Joe.
0: Hi David. Hi Joe. Hi Joe so in this episode we'll pick out key areas in the subjects we're focusing on to support the sectors that we are individually responsible for for example i'll be discussing subjects associated to the sectors that i look after which are business and industry hotels and coffee shop customers so before we start david can you give us a bit of a background on your responsibilities in our team
2: yeah i manage the communications and the campaigns that we put out to our pubs leisure travel hospitals and education customers so this basically means I scope and create campaigns designed to help these specific customers to adapt and to grow and more recently to reopen.
0: Thanks, David. And Gemma, as our head of customer marketing, can you share a bit about what you do in your role?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: So I lead the customer marketing team. Um, so that's really about looking at initiatives, ideas and support to best help our customers to grow So I can be working on a care sector initiative one day, um, education the next, restaurants or pubs the next. So it's really, really varied role, really exciting role, very lucky.
0: Thank you, Gemma. So let's get straight into it with our first subject, which is on consumer intentions. So I realize that it's still early days for this but David how are you seeing consumer intentions developing or changing at the
2: moment? So yes Joe, um, the signs are looking pretty good actually. So I saw some stats from CJ that said that 81% of English out-of-home users plan to return to the market by June when all the restrictions will have lifted by then. Um, So that's really really positive. I'd say that across leisure and pubs there's kind of different things happening so I saw some more statistics saying that 69% of consumers would feel comfortable returning to leisure activities when they reopen. 63% want to book a holiday between July and December, which, I mean, is not surprising. I think I'm definitely one of them. Um, And really, I think there's some really encouraging signs coming out. For pubs and restaurants, the sales were up 59% on 2019 sales for that first week, like for like sales, which is pretty great. Um, And drink sales across the whole week were up 113% across 2019. So as a kind of start and reopening goes I think the initial signs are really really positive positive. and what I'd say is that as an operator you should be really encouraged by that and you should be really trying to make the most of the next uh, the next few weeks and, and if you're not open yet then plan for the biggest possible boom you can really go for.
1: So Joe I wanted to ask you a question if that's okay. I know it's normally you that asks us the questions as the host, but I think it's really important that we take a look at what's going to happen in the B&I sector, business and industry. What do you think the future is there?
0: Uh, yeah, of course you can. It's, um, it's one of the hardest ones to predict um, because everything's a bit up in the air still with how it's all going to reopen. But I suppose a lot of it depends on what the government roadmap um, will be and if we keep to the certain timelines that they have set in place. Um, however, I can say one thing for sure is that hybrid working will be the sort of new form of working for most and the sector will will take some time to recover because of that. In our last episode, I actually hosted a panel on the changing face of the sector with guests from CH and Co and Mighty. So do go have a listen to that if you've, if you want to learn more on that. So after months of being shut, growing spend is of huge importance to operators to make up for all the lost time. Gemma, I'll start off you here. How do you see hotels adapting to do this?
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that hotels can look to do at the moment. Um, I think the first thing, though, that's really important is they've got you've got to put safety first. So that's the number one thing to focus on still. I think that you can't really reassure your consumers or your customers enough that you are taking hygiene seriously, that you're, you know, you're making a thing of it, that you're, as, as all operators have been doing over the last year, like no one, knows, no one needs me to tell them how to do that. But I think it is important not to take your foot off the gas with that stuff. Um, I think the other area that we've covered a lot already is outdoor dining. Um, and I think that there's a real opportunity with outdoor dining to take it to the next level and do something longer term with outdoor dining. So I would say in terms of growing spend, maybe the idea of premiumising outdoor dining space once restrictions are lifted is something to think about and actually making it a long term income stream. I think there's potentially an opportunity with outdoor dining to create more of an experience and to charge more for outdoor dining space that really delivers on um, all of the senses for consumers. With hotels particularly in mind as well, obviously I can't not talk about staycations and we don't know yet whether we'll be allowed to travel abroad or, you know, to Europe. So I think staycations are key for this year. Um, and I think it's about thinking, how, how can you create that trip abroad feel with a UK staycation? So whether that's um, welcoming your customers in with a glass of fizz, um, providing those little extras in the room, like bottled water in the room, maybe some more premium biscuits in the room, a little treat um, goes down really, really well. And then things like pamper packs or being able to pre-book meals as well is another thing to think about. Um, I think another thing for for hotels when thinking specifically around how to grow your spend and perhaps this one is a little bit more longer term but it would be about rethinking your space so with I think what you alluded to earlier Joe, around this hybrid model of working it might be that consumers that are working from home um, if that is something that becomes more of a long-term trend, actually want that little bit of variation in their working week, and would therefore look to go to a workspace that could be a pub, it could be a restaurant, where equally it could be a hotel, where they maybe you know they can get their free Wi-Fi, and then they can also buy like um, lunch from a set menu, um, or or have like a host of a smaller meeting or something like that.
2: Um, I actually did that just before Christmas. Um, I went to a pub local to me in Kentish Town, and they did this thing where I booked in and I had the full day. So I think they opened at like 11 or so. And I had this full day where I spent, I spent, I think it was like 25 pounds on a meal. Um, And what that got me was it got me free tea and coffee all day, no matter how much I wanted. It got me a meal and then it got me a drink right at the end, um, along with kind of free internet and everything. And I was in this pub and it was just so nice to be back anyway. But I think in that atmosphere it was just it was such a nice change I think I'd really encourage a lot more operators to do that kind of um that deal to advertise and working in there because that's definitely gonna be something for the future isn't
1: it yeah that's exactly it it just gives you that variation from working from home if you're not going into the office it's it's such that is such a brilliant example David that you've shared yeah it's it's, it's certainly something to think about
0: Thanks, Gemma. And uh, and David, is there other than what you've just said there, how would you say things have changed for pubs, restaurants and for the leisure sector?
2: I just think outdoor dining is just so key now. Um, it's just nonstop everywhere that we're talking about. I know we've recently launched an outdoor, gu- uh, outdoor dining guide to support our customers with. But um, yeah, CGA again, I, you can tell I absorbed some CGA stats over the past uh, day or so. Um, but I saw some stats from them coming out that said that 75% of, of consumers said they'd be happy to eat or drink in a heated outdoor seating area. And actually also said that around two in five venues opened up for on-site dining and, and drinking last week, all outdoor, of course. And I think that's really, really amazing that um, places are really embracing it because, I mean, the British weather is pretty awful, isn't it? And so to be able to do this kind of thing and really encourage ourselves to do it is, is definitely a kind of go forward. I guess just on that, I guess suggestions wise is, is where I'd say is really embrace the space, really look to see how you can make the most out of it. Invest in it because it's going to be there for the future. So invest in heaters, invest in um, creating really amazing areas for people to come and visit. Definitely get your booking system up and running, turn as many tables as possible. Um, people have even sat there in the snow, so make sure it's covered if possible. You know, There's all kinds of different things you can do to really embrace outdoor dining. Um, so definitely put that on the radar.
0: Leaning on what you've just said there, David, I think there's there's a couple of big opportunities that we can that customers can take advantage of to make the most of the opportunity. I think, first of all, the, it's key that your menu really demonstrates what you're known for. For example, if you're known for the best burgers in the area, are you able to get a barbecue outside and add a bit of atmosphere into what your offer is? And also the smell, it drives attention as well, doesn't it? But on the other scale, if you're worried about things like menu fatigue, Um, definitely think about how you can do a themed menu to create excitement I mean there's the summer of sport approaching us at the moment which is going to really help shape some of those ideas for you and then secondly similar to what Gemma was saying earlier I think how you create an experience with your outdoor dining is really going to be key to sort of work wonders for you to get customers back to return time and time again This goes beyond a canopy and heaters. Think about how you can add like sort of little touches like music and outdoor cooking for a bit of theater. Uh, Another thing that I know that our beers, wines, and spirits brand, Unity, have been working on a lot of customers is bringing the bar outside, for example. So they've put together solutions for bringing outside smaller beer keg solutions and cocktail making areas too, which have really had great success so far. Welcome back. So now we're going to talk about menu hints and tips. So it's safe to say that menus have changed a lot in the last year for most. They were simplified, they were shortened, adapted for takeaway and more. So Gemma, what are the key things operators should focus on for menus in 2021 as seated trade comes back?
1: So some things have changed, like you said, Joe. but also I think a lot has stayed the same. Um, One of the things that's definitely stayed the same and perhaps... Is actually, well it's actually increased I would say is this sort of split between consumers that want healthy choices and consumers that want indulgent choices um, I think when consumers are going out um, they're looking for comfort food um, they're, they're looking for I don't know a plate of carbs they're looking for you know classics like burger and chips, I went out last night I wouldn't normally order a chicken burger, I don't know why I did but I just wanted to really, really treat myself when so it, it was lovely. It was a buttermilk chicken burger and, um, and fries. And I loved it. So that just shows how like, even for me, that choice was quite different. Whereas normally I'd be a little bit more health conscious.
2: No, I'm fully with you on that, Gemma. I've, um, I went, when I went to the pub over the weekend, I, in fact, I went to the pub on two different occasions. The two things that I had each time was pizza they do pizza really well. It's really simple. They also had the whole theatre of it outside. So they had a big pizza oven at these separate places. Um, and it was really unhealthy. But And I wouldn't have pizza twice into it in one weekend. But at the same time, I was like, you know, this is what I need now. I'm also here mainly to see people. You know, it was just on the side of it and it kept me going. It filled me up. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's about those kind of key core favourite items, I'd say.
1: It is, and I was I was also going to just go through the top five dishes on menus, because these haven't changed. They are what you would expect. So we, I've been looking at some stats um, from Lumina on this. And at number one, we have got the burger. It's not going anywhere, it's an absolute classic. Number two, we've got the, the good old favorite curry. And then at number three, you've got pizza, so exactly your point, David. I think that, um, you know, this, this. is these are all pretty unhealthy. We have got salad in at number four, but they're just, I think it's, it is it, it is about wanting to treat yourself and celebrating, celebrating being able to go back out to eat again. On well, my point around healthier, at number four, we've got a salad. So we do need to factor in that there are consumers that have made health choices over the last year And they will be looking to continue that and they will be looking to kind of make sure that they're protecting themselves with their immunity. You know, immunity boosting foods is a trend that we've been seeing over the last year Um, and people looking more into their diet and that understanding between diet and health just becoming more more well known and more prevalent. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key thing. It's about balancing that health and that treat occasion. And yeah, getting those um, top menu choices in there as well. Um, Some of the other areas that I've been looking at are, and I find this really fascinating, is around your pricing strategy. I think because consumers are feeling the pinch in some ways at the moment, looking at how you can appear to give value for money is really important. And one of the ways when it comes to pricing to do this is to use the 95P. So pricing dishes at 12.95, 13.95, whatever it is, because consumers will anchor to the 12 pounds, even though effectively you're nearly charging 13 pounds, for example, for a dish. And it's just a subtle way to to, to sort of give that perception of value. Um, On the flip side to that though, when we're talking more about premium occasions, a way to premiumise your menu, if that's something that you want to do, would be to stick to round pound numbers. So literally £12, £13. And to reduce the number of words in the description. So keep it super simple. And we've done lots of research that you can find on our website about how to uh, get get your menu descriptions to do the selling for you. There's lots of interesting um, stats that have come out of that research.
0: I think also like with the keeping your menus simpler is a, the element of when people are on their phones now to scroll through the menus and they want to have less scrolling don't they now
1: yeah so menus last year you were right they were reduced um because operationally people wanted to keep things simple but also from a, yeah from a consumer's perspective when you are we know that ordering online and ordering through apps is going to increase so it just makes for a much easier user experience if the dishes are um, easy to find, easy to navigate. And yet you're not scrolling through loads and loads of content because actually when you give people more choice, they find it harder to make a decision than when you give people a little bit less choice.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Here, actually, I think one of the really key things we've seen um, happen, haven't we, is those simplified menus shrinking down, sweating your assets more. Using as many products for a, as a, or as fewer products, sorry, for as many dishes as possible, being really, really key. Um, again, other than pizza, things that I saw out and actually matches up quite well with our top five um, cuisines for twenty twenty one that we launched in our trends twenty twenty one activity was a real focus on modern Italian. It coming out really strongly from, um, from the resurgence from the reopening, I'd say. Um, and then looking at other pieces, Middle Eastern really out there. I've seen a lot of Japanese comfort food, ramens, there's a lot of sushi going as well. But then also things like, um, things like Modern India coming back on it. I mean, I know big restaurants like Dishim have been doing it really well. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of Modern India out there too.
0: And Gemma, what about with delivery and takeaway? Should operators still be investing in this?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one that, isn't it? Because obviously everyone has pivoted to takeaway over the last year through Necessity. And it's just like, we're all waiting to see whether that habit has really ingrained itself with consumers. Um, and is there the opportunity from a, from a commercial perspective to operate both of those avenues? And I mean, my, my gut says that there is. Um, we can see that last year, over 80% of people work participating in takeaway. And about a quarter of them were having a takeaway at least once a week. I was definitely one of those people I've talked about that on the podcast before I think and and it is like is that habit now ingrained and will there be occasions when you would compromise and have a takeaway because you don't necessarily need to go out and I think a lot of that is because having a takeaway has become such a better experience or more of an occasion than it was you know with all of the innovation and meal kits um the innovation and actually like the packaging and creating more of an experience with things even like um, Spotify playlists being delivered alongside the takeaway. So I think it will continue. I think it's just about when will someone opt for takeaway versus a meal out. Um, We did speak to some of our customers actually about will they continue with their takeaway offer and nearly 60% of our customers said that they will so it just proves that it is, it is a profitable revenue stream. With the grace of Dark Kitchens, which has been accelerated by the pandemic, there are more brands coming to market that offer a takeaway only solution. So I think that that in itself is really exciting. And those brands are offering some of the cuisines that you spoke about earlier, David. Some of those brands are offering those types of cuisines. So I think in a way, takeaway does become different because you've just got more choice and there are more exciting um, dishes to choose from.
2: We're also seeing a different side of that grow in the host kitchen market which is slightly different to um, dark kitchens. as well where we have pre-established brands basically offering their own amazing ready-to-use brands out to operators who can use their underutilized kitchen space to create this and then to deliver to the marketplace. And really have their existing offer alongside a host kitchen offer. And I see that as a really interesting additional way for operators to make money going forwards because as we said you know the delivery market's not going anywhere so if anything jumping on board and, and gaining some incremental cash over it is probably a great idea.
0: That's great, thank you both. There's loads of ideas there and it's really good to see these opportunities coming through. Um. So to summarise, Gemma, what's the support we've got available for customers?
1: So we've got lots of support. Um, We've got our relaunch ready guides for the leisure, pubs and restaurants and hotel sector. And we will have a relaunch ready guide for the B&I sector. In there, there's lots of ideas to grow spend. And we also look at the top consumer trends driving growth. Um, we've also got our back to business guides available on our website as well. We launched these last year, but a lot of the content is still relevant. So there are um, ideas and support in there, like how you can, you know, after you've been closed for a long time, how you can get back to business and some of the key things to consider. So it might be useful for our customers to have a look at those too. And you can find all of our supports available on our website, which is bidfood.co.uk forward slash relaunch hyphen ready.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us today, Gemma.
1: Thank you, Jo. Thanks for having me on
0: again. No problem at all. And thank you, David, for joining us as well. No
2: problem at all. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Thanks for listening. We have loads of episodes filled with advice and tips for guiding you through this pandemic and beyond. So make sure you subscribe to hear all about it. But until next time, goodbye.